0: Well, good morning, everyone. So nice to hear you talking back. Um, for those of you uh, watching the live stream today, uh, here in Denver, we are. this is our first weekend where we have people back at Mass here at Lords, um, And so joy to have you all here. Um, I've gotten used to kind of preaching to an empty church. Uh, so today's going to be a, a new beginning for us and a new time. I want to start today, there's a, um, one of my favorite scripture scholars, N.T. Wright. He has uh, a story he tells at the beginning of his book on the resurrection. Uh, and this is going to help us understand today what I want to lead us into about the mystery, uh, the greatest mystery we have in the Christian life, which is the very inner life of God. So N.T. Wright tells this story, he says, there was once a king who commanded his archers to shoot at the sun. His strongest bowmen, using their finest equipment, tried all day, but their arrows fell short, and the sun continued unaffected on its course. All night the archers polished and re-feathered their arrows, and the next day they tried again with renewed zeal, But still their efforts were in vain. The king became angry and uttered dark threats. On the third day, the youngest archer with the smallest bow came at noon to where the king sat before a pond in his garden. There was the sun, a golden ball reflected in the still water. With a single shot, the lad pierced it at its heart. The sun splintered into a thousand glittering fragments. I love that story. I was asking our seminarian, Trevor. Trevor's very well read, and I was asking him where that came from. And he, he said, you know, I don't know, N.T. Wright maybe made that up. What Wright's getting at there is something that's so important for us, that I want to talk to you all about today I want to talk to you about how you and I desire to know things. Aristotle said, human beings by nature desire to know. And one of the things that we like is we like it when things are easily understandable, when we can kind of put things in a box and we can explain them easily. And today what I want to emphasize to you, what I want to show you today is that we have to, if we're going to love God, we of course have to know about him. Right? Part of why Jesus came was to reveal who God really is. But if you think you can know God, you're deceiving yourself. And so in the story that N.T. Wright tells, what he's getting at is that when people in history have tried to know God, when they've tried to totally understand him and say, here's how we can know God and we can pin him down and we can analyze him and put him under a microscope, it's like shooting arrows at the sun. You can't do it. Right? A human being trying to understand the transcendent, infinite God is like shooting arrows at the sun. And so when we can't do that, when we realize that our efforts are in vain to understand God, what some people do is they make a caricature, right? And what they do is they shoot a reflection in the pond and they say, see, I have shot the sun. And our modern world does this. I just want to dwell on this for a second. Part of what has happened, part of the reason our society is so anti-God and so anti-Christian goes all the way back to the Middle Ages. And there was something like what happened in today's story that happened. In the Middle Ages, in the late Middle Ages, philosophers trying to understand God, what they ended up doing is they ended up making a caricature of God to try to understand Him. And there's a long history we won't go into But what they did is they started looking as if God was something, a being that existed in our world. So you'll hear this today, right? You hear this all the time. People say, Father Brian, okay, if if your God is so real, how come there's no scientific evidence of him? And what they're doing there is they're shooting a reflection of the sun in a pond. They're not understanding what we mean by the word God. God is not a created being. He does not exist in our universe. And so a great analogy for this would be, uh, C.S. Lewis talks about this. He says, imagine if you gave someone, someone asked about Shakespeare. And they said, tell me about Shakespeare. And so you handed them the play Hamlet. He said, read this book and and your friend says, okay, and they go digging through Hamlet, and they read the play, and they read it four or five times, and they come back to you and they say, I looked all through Hamlet, and I never found Shakespeare. Right? If you look for Shakespeare as a character in Hamlet, you have made a category mistake. Right? Shakespeare is not a character in Hamlet. He is the author of that play. And Christians and Jews and all serious thinkers about God have never thought that God was a character in this universe. Rather, he is the sustainer, the transcendent base that holds all things in existence. And so today, brothers and sisters, what I want to do today is I want to invite you into a mystery. As human beings, what we want to do is we want things that are smaller than us. We want things that we can stand over and above, and we want to control them. And knowledge comes with a certain power. We want to say, yep, I know God. I can define him perfectly. I can explain him. I can recreate his existence in a test tube. If you ever are tempted to do that, brothers and sisters, you're going to commit the sin of idolatry. You're going to create a false god. One more story, Augustine. I don't don't know if this is a real story, if this is just a legend. I don't know. I think it's real, though. I don't even know where it comes from. Someone can tell me after Mass. But Augustine wrote, in the the 5th century, Augustine wrote a long treatise on the Trinity. And there's a story that Augustine was writing about the Blessed Trinity, which is this mystery, right, that is beyond us. It's beyond us. We can know things about God, but it, it's, God invites us into something that is way beyond our knowledge or our ability to control. And so the story goes that Augustine is writing his treatise on the Trinity, Say that 10 times fast. Treaties on the Trinity. Anyway, he's, right, he's walking one day on the beach. And he's thinking about the blessed Trinity. And he, as he watches, there's a little boy on the beach. And he, he gets captivated and he just watches this little boy. And this little boy, what he does is he's dug a hole in the sand on the beach. And he has a bucket of some kind. And he's running into the ocean And he keeps filling up his bucket and pouring it in the hole he's made in the sand. And St. Augustine is intrigued. And so he turns to the little boy and he asks him and he says, what are you doing? He says, I, I don't understand. I see you keep pouring this water into this hole on the beach. And the little boy looks at him and he says, well, I'm putting the ocean into this hole. And Augustine, of course, laughs. You silly boy! <laughs> you know he laughs. He says, "You will never, you will never get the ocean into that hole." That's absurd. And as the story goes, the the little boy is actually an angel, and he looks back at Augustine and he says, "Neither will you ever understand the Trinity." I love that story. Today, brothers and sisters, God invites us not to control something, not to stand above something, but you and I are invited to participate in a mystery that is eternal an eternal mystery of perfect love human beings, we, we tend to do this. We tend to make false images of God. Calvin, who I don't quote often, there's one quote I like from John Calvin. John Calvin was one of the founders of the Protestant Reformation. Um, you may have heard of Calvinism. John Calvin has a quote where he says, the human heart is an idol-making factory. The human heart is an idol-making factory. And today in our first reading, in Exodus 34, we have this a powerful moment where God walks in front of Moses. And it's a metaphor, right? God, it just, God doesn't have a body, right? This is before the incarnation of Christ. God walks in front of Moses. But this happens right after the sin of the golden calf. And what happened there, so we're in Exodus 34 today. The golden calf is Exodus 32, And what happened in the golden calf, right, is that Israel, it's really hard to surrender yourself to a mystery. It's hard to let go of control. It's hard to say, Lord, I will let you lead me. I will let you be God. I will surrender my control in my life and I will follow you. And the Jews, they want To control and to worship something they can understand. And so they build a golden calf. And right after that, today in Exodus 34, God walks in front of Moses. And he passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a merciful, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. And faithfulness. By the way, that line, let me read it one more time. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy and faithfulness. That line is a line quoted more than any other in the entire Bible. That line is quoted constantly all through the rest of the Bible. You want to know who God is? You can't put him in a box. But he is a God merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in mercy and faithfulness. Okay, so Father Brian, so okay, I get it. I can't put God in a box. But what does the Trinity mean for us today? And I want to leave you today with some very simple thoughts. I want to leave you and invite you, brothers and sisters, to be a Christian, God invites you to surrender to something beautiful. To lose your life, to lose your control, and to be lost in something greater. That's an amazing thing. What I want to talk about today is that, very simply with the Trinity, The great mystery of the Trinity is that God himself can never understand himself in isolation. To understand God, right? We always think what it means to be like God is to be powerful and all-knowing and these kinds of things. And he is those things. But even more so, God is someone who surrenders himself. And so the Father, right, the Father only understands himself as Father, as the Father of the Son. The Son only understands himself as the Son of the Father. And the Spirit is the perfect love between the two of them. And the Trinity, this is just so powerful. What I always want to do in my life, and I know you do this too, if you ever had those moments where You just kind of say, it's usually when you've been hurt by someone and you say, you know what? I don't need anybody. I can live life on my own. I'm really strong. I'm a strong person. Priests, by the way, are the worst at this because we don't have our wives to be like, you know what, chump? You're not that strong. (laughs) And you know what? You're not as cool as you think you are right? Seminarians sometimes tell me that, but then I kick them out of the house. But we, priests are the worst at this, and sometimes I do this as I think, I don't need anybody. I'm good on my own. I can live life just by myself. That is not who God is. God lives only from others. And so I want, I want to leave you today with, of course, a quote from Origen. It wouldn't be a Mass of Lords without one of those. And I've read this to you before, but I want you to really pray with this. This is, this is maybe my favorite quote from Origen. So Origen says this. He says, blessed is he who is ever born of God. Blessed is he who is ever born of God. For the righteous man is n- not born of God just once, but constantly in every good work, God gives birth to him. Now hang with me. This is a little bit of a long quote, but hang with me. Right, Origin says your birth, your becoming, doesn't just happen once. It happens constantly. This can be explained by reference to the Savior. The Savior... Was not begotten by the Father at some specific moment. No, the Father is forever begetting him. Now, think about this. What Origen's talking about here is what we say in the Creed God from God, light from light, true God, begotten, not made consubstantial with the Father. If you think about light, if you think of the source of light, the Father, God the Father is the source of all things. And the light that flows from him, the light that emanates, the radiance, the splendor, the beauty that flows from that pure light is not something that just is fixed. It can only exist as an ever-continual radiance from its source. I think this is one of the most beautiful things in Christianity, is that what Origen is telling us is that that's supposed to be you. Is that I want to be stable, Jesus. I want to have my own solidity. I want to define myself, and I don't want to depend on God. But in a certain sense, brothers and sisters, God is weak. The Son is weak. The Son has no existence apart from the Father or the Spirit. He only lives from the Father. So Origen continues, he says, The same is true of the righteous. The Savior is the radiance of the Father's glory, but radiance is not emitted at a certain moment. It radiates as long as the light shines. Thus, the radiance of God's glory is begotten eternally. Perpetual light, the perpetual light of God flows eternally and I love this the same is true of you in as much as you possess the spirit of sonship brothers and sisters the one thing I want to say to you today this morning and I remember a bishop who I used to know who passed a number of years ago he used to say that when you become a Christian God makes you weak He does not make you strong. He makes you weak. He teaches you to be dependent on him. And there's nothing better. There's nothing better. I remember this bishop said to me, Bishop Morlino, he said, he talked about how he's become a weak man over the years. And he said, he said, Brian, I can't even make it through a day without a holy hour. He's like, other people are stronger than me. They can make it through the day. I can't. I can't do it. Today, brothers and sisters in Jesus, on the most mysterious day of all, today the the mystery of the Holy Trinity, the light that gives birth to all things, Lord, make us weak today. Lord, so much of my life I live in reference to myself. And I pretend that I am solid and that I can exist on my own. Jesus, help me to stop shooting arrows at the sun. Lord, make me weak today that I might live not out of my own power, but that I might lose myself to live from you and from the Father, and from the Spirit. Lord, bless your people today. Bless all those here. Jesus, make us as Christians, men and women who surrender, men and women who truly become weak because we love you.